Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Moving forward to avert a national rail strike, the tough spot for a pro-union White House. Big announcement in the trades. President of the IBEW stepping down. And today on the show, the latest from the Alliance for American Manufacturing. And later in the show, we check in with the ironworkers in Illinois. Welcome to the Wednesday, November 30th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Scott Paul is going to be our first guest on the show, one of our sponsors coming from the Alliance for American Manufacturing, AmericanManufacturing.org. And you heard me talk about the Made in America Holiday Gift Guide, the 2022 Made in America Holiday Gift Guide, which came out a couple of weeks ago. And we're going to talk about the importance of buying American-made gifts during the holidays. And people want Made in the USA products. They did some polling on this. Scott's going to give us some details. Three quarters of American consumers would prefer to purchase holiday gifts that are made in the United States, but a third a third of them say they rarely or never see American-made products while shopping. Americans want to shop made in the USA, especially around the holidays, says Scott. And retailers are missing out by not doing more to promote American-made gifts in their marketing and store displays. So we're doing our part by shining the spotlight on some great companies that are making their products locally. And if you go to AmericanManufacturing.org, you can download their complete holiday gift guide. Go state by state, also the District of Columbia, as well as Puerto Rico. So we'll get into all of that. And I want to add something to this, too. There's a lot of information on the Internet about buying union-made goods. Now, Scott's going to talk about stuff made in America, which is fine. But being a union show, try to shop union if you can. And I'm just going to run down a couple of like grocery stores here. Safeway, Shoppers Food and Pharmacy, Giant Food Stores. And this is in, these are stores in various parts of the country. Food products like Heinz, Frito-Lay chips and snacks, Orida potatoes. Got a baby? Gerber, Heinz baby food, all union made. Beverages, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Maxwell House coffee. Candy and chocolates, Nestle, Russell Stover candies, Tootsie Rolls. Oh, I love Tootsie Rolls. Got a pet, Alpo, Fancy Feast, and Science Diet. All made. Still smoking? Well, Marlboro and Merit are union products. Pharmacies, CVS, Giant Eagle Pharmacy, and Rite Aid, all union. Got a headache? Bear Aspirin, that's what you want, union made. Let's see, clothing. Red Wing Shoe Company. Well, they make good shoes. Phillips Van Heusen. Office Supplies. Kleenex Tissues. Mead. Xerox Copiers and Printers are union made. How about that? 
How about some games? Monopoly, electronics, Rayovac, batteries, Timex watches. Automotive, need tires? Go to Goodyear. Goodyear Tires, Union made Bridgestone, Firestone. Those are uh, steelworker jobs, I might add. General Motors Parts, Union made. Professional Services, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Consumer Reports, all Union. Telephone Services, AT&T, Verizon, and CenturyLink. Now, Verizon, uh, some of their wireless operations are not Union. But overall, the company is Union. And uh, for shipping, you've got uh, Ryder and UPS. And this list also includes FedEx. Now, FedEx has traditionally been non-Union, but apparently a couple of stores are Union. And if you want to get away during the holidays, you can find Union-made goods and services just a text away. Text CARS to 22555. For union-made vehicles, text AIRLINE to 22555 for union-friendly airlines. I could go on, but there's a lot of information. I will continue to repeat this on the show throughout the holiday period. And uh, just want to pass that information on because when you support unions, you're supporting workers that are making good wages and getting really, really good benefits. The other story that uh, Scott's going to get into, and this is posted on uh, AmericanManufacturing.org, is uh, electric vehicles. Would you buy a made-in-China electric car? Well, according to the Washington Post, they are coming. And uh, some people are buying them not even knowing that they're made in China. That's pretty scary. So Scott will get into that as well. Brian Basket will be joining us later in the show. Brian is an iron worker. He comes from Iron Workers Local 46, which is based in Springfield, Illinois. They were chartered back on December 28, 1908. And, of course, the iron workers perform structural steel erection, detailing, precast concrete erection, ornamental handrail and stairs, curtain, window wall systems installation, reinforcing placement for concrete building, bridge construction. A lot of work for iron workers, especially now with the uh, Infrastructure and Jobs Act. We're going to talk about manpower, how the trades are struggling to get really great quality candidates. That's an issue for all the trades, not just the uh, iron workers. The benefits of being in the union and uh, educating the public on how the unions can help the working class and community. There's a lot of lawmakers out there that just keep... Coming down on unions, saying you're making too much money, costing communities too much when they're doing uh, building in the public sector. But Brian is going to address all of that and more as our second guest on the show. Now for a brief look into the world of labor. This segment brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. What a great company. $17 billion in assets under advisement. And they serve the needs of Taft-Hartley funds, corporations, public funds, endowments, foundations, as well as religious organizations. Well, no surprise here. Democratic and Republican leaders in Congress vowed yesterday to pass legislation averting a nationwide rail strike, saying they agree with President Biden that a work stoppage just right before Christmas would disrupt shipping and deal a devastating blow to the nation's economy. So today, Nancy Pelosi said they will have a bill on the floor. 
And she said, I don't like going against the ability of unions to strike, but, but weighing the equities, we must avoid a strike. Jobs will be lost. Even union jobs will be lost. Now, keep in mind, there are 12 unions involved in rail. Four of them have said no to that tentative contract agreement. So that means eight have said yes. That is a clear majority. Senator Mitch McConnell, minority leader, told reporters that we're going to need to pass a bill to avert a strike, suggesting that Republicans did not intend to try to block such a move. Now, during his meeting with congressional leaders yesterday morning, President Biden acknowledged that this is not an easy call for Congress to intervene, but he said it was necessary because the economy was at risk in the labor dispute. Now, Congress has the authority to intervene in a variety of ways, including by enacting a deal directly through legislation, whether it was the agreement that some unions have already voted down or a less generous proposal that a presidential board issued over the summer. Nancy Pelosi said House members would vote on the tentative agreement that Mr. Biden's administration helped negotiate between the rail companies and the unions earlier this year. Now, that's the agreement that our labor secretary, Marty Walsh, was called in to uh, negotiate. And uh, they, they ramped it up a bit, but not to the liking of all the union members. Now, the issue is not the money. And I've said this on the show many, many times. We've had guests that say said this on the show many, many times. The issue is sick leave policy. Now, Pelosi announced yesterday that um, there could be a compromise on the table, and there probably will be a compromise. After the vote is taken on the agreement, Pelosi said she will hold a separate up or down vote to add seven days of paid sick leave for the workers to the tentative agreement. Now, such a measure is likely to pass the House, but probably die under a Republican filibuster in the Senate. They, they need 60 votes in the Senate for this to pass. So um, that is a bold move, and obviously she's catering to the unions there. But I have to say this, that is a great idea. That is a wonderful idea to add the uh, seven days of paid sick leave. The people that will probably vote it down have paid sick leave. I'm talking about the Republicans in the Senate. They have amazing benefits. And it just gets me that people that have benefits have the decision to deny such benefits to other people. And that's probably what's going to happen here in the next day or two. Big change happening at the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Lonnie Stevenson, the president, is retiring effective January 4th, bringing an end to a nearly five-decade active career in the union. During his tenure as international president, Lonnie helped the IBEW's organizing efforts reach new heights as membership grew every year that he was in office. He also 
deepened the union's commitment to diversity, inclusion, and equity, stewarding the IBEW Strong program to bring more people of color and women into the union. Ken Cooper is the international secretary treasurer, and he will become the union's next president after January 4th. And Ken said this, President Stevenson leaves behind a great legacy. We are a bigger, stronger, and more diverse union than we were seven years ago. And I am committed to building on that legacy as we work to fulfill our fundamental mission, and that is to organize every worker in the electrical industry. A little background on Ken. He's an Ohio guy. Um, Grew up in uh, Mansfield, Ohio. First-generation journeyman, inside wireman. His mother worked a non-union factory job with low wages and no benefits. And Ken Cooper learned at an early age, the perils of workplace power concentrated in the hands of the employer. As he grew older, he discovered the power of a union and a voice at work. Lessons he learned as a young apprentice at Local 688 in Mansfield, Ohio. He's been a steward of the IBEW's financial resources, including the union's pension and health and welfare funds for the last six years. And he's often said his decisions have been motivated by his deep gratitude for the stability and opportunity he found through the IBEW. This is a quote in a uh, press release. This is all posted on the IBEW website, IBEW.org. When I started in the IBEW, my highest ambition was just to provide for my family. Well, that hasn't changed. Just the size of my family, though. No one is more surprised and humbled than me to be here. What gives me the confidence is the example that Lonnie set and my mission that every working man and woman in the electrical industry deserves what I have. Sounds like a great guy, huh? Uh, I have put in a request to uh, get him on the show, and hopefully that'll be happening um, maybe next month or after he takes office. Again, he'll be taking office on uh, January 4th. So uh, a shout-out here for Lonnie Stevenson. I mean, this guy came in years ago, really built up the union, went through the recession during the uh, Reagan years when he climbed up the ladder. But uh, thank you, Lonnie Stevenson, for everything that you have done as president of the IBEW. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Scott Paul on behalf of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. 
That's LIUNA.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council, who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll free at 1-800-443-3752. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our Raising Wages agenda, go to AFLCIO.org. Now... Back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. And with all the mess going on at uh, Twitter, there's other alternatives. Check out uh, Instagram, TikTok, Reddit, and Mastodon. And this is courtesy of the AFL-CIO. They're saying, hey, until Elon Musk gets his act together over there, and that may not happen. The company might just go away. $44 billion, and uh, a lot of the people are gone. I thought the people made the company. Maybe not in his mind. No, no, no. Let's go to Washington right now and join Scott Paul on behalf of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. AmericanManufacturing.org. You heard me talk about the Made in America holiday gift guide here for the past couple of weeks. It is out. It's available at AmericanManufacturing.org. I was talking to Scott off the air here, and uh, Scott's uh, got a conundrum here. This, This administration is keeping him really busy. So you got... In two years, let's see, the American Rescue Plan, you got the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill, you got the CHIPS Act, and now the Inflation Reduction Act. And I guess all of this is hitting you at once, and and you you got your work cut out. Scott, talk to me about what's going on in Washington right now to get all these policies in place. Go ahead. Hey, Flash, of course. But this is the good kind of exhaustion, right? Uh, you know, trying to try to get things uh, out the door and, and up and running. And, and you just nailed it. I mean, there is so much. There's, uh, there are resources available in semiconductor and microelectronics manufacturing, uh, resources available in clean energy manufacturing, from electric vehicles to uh, the, the minerals that go into uh, making the batteries that are part of those electric vehicles, uh, to the uh, bridges and highways and broadband that are going to come about as part of the, uh, the uh, jobs and infrastructure bill. So all of this is, is getting out the door, and we're working with the administration to make sure that uh, the the Buy America features of it, the fact that not only is all this stuff going to be deployed in the United States, but it's going to be made here uh, as well, uh, is is in place. Uh, And so it's a, you know, we've seen manufacturing job growth uh, a good amount 
uh, over over the last year, uh, and 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 a tremendous amount over the last two years. And the thing about that is, even though there's a lot of talk about inflation and the Federal Reserve and the future of the economy and all of that. Uh, I think that next year looks to be a good year for manufacturing growth, in part because of all this public investment uh, that hasn't even had an effect on the job market yet, but it certainly will next year. Scott, if you don't mind, let's pick up on that because, and we've talked about this before on the show, policies take time and sometimes years. In your estimation, I mean, think about the four policies the legislation that came out of the White House, amazing legislation in a two-year period. Uh, when do you think all of them will be ramped up? I mean, you, you, you've been in Washington a long time. I, I mean, this is kind of a it, – it, it is an educated guess, but I'd like to get your opinion on that. When, when do you think we'll feel the full effect of these policies? Yeah, I, I mean, we're – you know, the, we're the preliminary stages this year, I would say – Next year, you'll start seeing uh, some of the impacts of this. Um, and like, for instance, in the case of the, the infrastructure for the broadband, for the bridges, for the roads, for the waterworks and all of that, uh, there, there's seven years of deployment. Uh, and so you'll see uh, a lot of this scaling up over the next few years. Uh, in the case of the uh, semiconductor resources to build the semiconductor factories. I mean, this year has been the year of the factory announcement, I would say, you know, kind of the ceremonial uh, spades going into the ground or the announcements. Uh, And so you'll see the construction of those factories uh, take place over the next year or two, and you'll see them getting up up and running and hiring workers uh, two, three, four years from now. And in the case of the clean energy manufacturing, uh, again, you've seen some announcements already of, of factories that are going to come online in the United States for uh, assembly of electric vehicles, for uh, the battery production uh, that will go into those vehicles, as well as some of the supply chain. Uh, and, and some of those factories have broken ground. Uh, and so you'll you'll see some hiring over the next year. But this is – I guess the point that I'm making is that you'll – you know, it's, you know, politics, a lot of it is about that sugar rush. Of what can you do for me now? And there's certainly a lot of positive impacts that this is having. But I think the most important legacy of all of this flash uh, is that this is going to be durable, uh, durable gains for the middle class, uh, for our, our, our efforts at climate reduction and for a sustainable future. And we'll see this. Uh, over the next generation, much in the same way that the interstate highway system, uh, that which started up during the Eisenhower administration, or many of the uh, public works that were put into place uh, during the Great Depression, uh, are still uh, really important parts of the American landscape uh, and the American economy today and mobility. I think that you'll 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 see that out of some of these investments that were passed by the Congress, uh, implemented by the Biden administration, his leadership uh, in in the generation to come here, Flash. Yesterday on the show, we were talking about offshore wind, and I was amazed at what's going to be happening off the coast of uh, Massachusetts. It's going to take time, probably uh, five, six years before it comes to fruition, and uh, there's some permitting that's got to go through. 
but the the ground has been laden for offshore wind and the first phase will power one to two million homes in uh, in massachusetts and then they're already talking about the second phase and that's part of the inflation reduction act so you know to what you're talking about as far as uh, years to come, it's it's going to be monumental. It's really going to be monumental. I want to switch gears here a little bit and talk about the uh, Made in America Holiday Gift Guide. We've been hitting it pretty hard on the show. But what I want to get into is the fact that there's a lot of people that are really frustrated trying to find Made in America products. And, and I want to talk about the um, the push to get the the people making those products to to label them properly they they can't find yeah. any labels can you can you get into that and, and maybe talk about the polling that you did on this yeah yeah so what what we found is something that i think we know is that if given a choice uh consumers in the united states want the opportunity to buy america uh and overwhelmingly they'll they'll say that like more than 80 percent. so it's one of the few kind of absolute truths of American political polling, <laughs> you know, that this is a, this is something that, that American shoppers want to do. A lot of them say they have a hard time finding a, a lot of American made products. And the, 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 and the, the more you shop online, the harder it is. And that's precisely because of the issue that you raised up flash, which is that online, there is no federal law that requires that products be labeled for their country of origin. Uh, and so it is often a, uh, a guessing game uh, or it takes a tremendous amount of forensic research that a private investigator basically would have to do to kind of figure out the country of origin of a lot of these online products. Uh, and so, again, overwhelmingly, Americans would like to see uh, online labeling requirements for uh, the country of origin labeling. Uh, in fact, uh, eighty, you know, seventy-six percent uh, or more say they would favor legislation like that. And the good news is that there is federal legislation like that that we just got to get across the finish line. Uh, but but that's part of the thing. If you go into a store, you can you can pick up any item and you'll find the country of origin labeling, whether it's made right. in China or or made in the United States or or what have you. But it is. You know, it's hard to find if you're shopping online on Walmart or Amazon or even other sites uh, as well. And so it's a uh, it, it. And what we know is when there's barriers to buying something that people just tend to give up uh, because it's, uh, you know, it gets too complicated. I'm reading and this is all posted on the alliances, a website, AmericanManufacturing.org. You mentioned legislation, Senator Tammy Baldwin who's a Democrat out of Wisconsin, has introduced bipartisan legislation to fix outdated labeling laws uh, when it comes to online shopping. Um, do we know anything about that? Legis- I know it's just introduced. Uh, you think that there's a good possibility of this perhaps passing? I, I mean, I know we're in the lame duck right now, but maybe yeah. in the next year. Yeah, well, look, there's a lot of support for it. There are Republicans who support this legislation as well. It almost got across the finish line in the uh, when the, when the Chips Act passed. Okay, but but it got dropped, uh, and it wouldn't be a surprise to you uh, to know that there's a lot of powerful interests who oppose it, like Amazon or any online retailer, basically that has. Has imports, uh, and so, it, it, so this legislation has 
a uh, some some pretty major uh, formidable opposition. But what it has going for it, uh, you know, again, is the support of the American people. Uh, you know, there's there's not a lot of stuff that uh, 80 percent of Americans rally around. But uh, being able to have more information about where the products they're shopping for online are made. That's one of them. So I'm hopeful, and if not uh, during the, the, you know, the waiting days of this Congress, uh, we'll re-up it next year. And I think it's a nice compliment to all these other efforts that are underway to try to bring manufacturing back to the U.S. It just makes perfect yeah. sense. Well, the bottom line is this. Consumers vote with their pocketbooks. And if they prefer country of origin, if they want to shop for made-in-the-USA gifts and if they want to shop for union made gifts i mean there's there's union labels out there too i talked about that earlier on the show that could make a difference here and they have to put pressure on our politicians to say hey you know what we want this done i mean i i do it all the time when i go to the store i look where where it's made and you know when it comes to clothing my god you see a bunch of stuff made in vietnam bangladesh and places like that and sneakers i mean there's there's not too many sneakers made in america anymore but you gotta you gotta look around and and people are doing that that's the point of this whole thing uh the made in america holiday gift guide how's that uh faring this year i mean how how many years is it eight or nine years that you've been doing this scott yeah this is the ninth year that we've had a guide for holiday shopping that features uh gift ideas uh made in every state in the United States of America, plus uh, a couple of uh, like the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico. So it's a, uh, you know, there's a ton of different ideas there for kids, for loved ones, for coworkers uh, at all different price points. Uh, And so it is, and it surprises me, Flash, every year to, to learn stuff like I had no idea the chapstick was made in Virginia by uh, union workers, by steel workers. So, uh, you know, what a great little stocking stuffer uh, that is. Um, and so there's, there's a ton of great ideas on there, uh, including some great toys for kids. Now, to, to, you know, to, to something that we got to earlier, you know, if you're looking for the latest, greatest, you know, mass market doll or, um, electronic game, the chances are those are imported. Uh, yeah, that's where the supply chains are right now. I mean, hopefully that's mm-hmm. going to change in the future. But if you're if you're willing to to broaden your horizons a little bit, there's a lot out there uh, from ping uh, golf clubs uh, to uh, jewelry um, to, uh, to to sweaters for pets uh, to to chocolate that you can get in the United States, and sure to delight anybody who receives a gift gift like that sure made in america holiday gift guide available at the alliance for american manufacturing do check it out americanmanufacturing.org we're going to take a quick break brian basket will be joining us later in the show on behalf of the iron workers that'll be local 46 out of springfield illinois you're listening to america's workforce this is america's workforce It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, 
Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A.org. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at uaw.org. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without iron workers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained iron workers and 20,000 apprentices, the Iron Workers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Iron Workers, the sky's the limit. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That would be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity to do this, sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so keep them coming. Also, if you like a show, share that show. It's important that more and more people listen to America's Workforce, and we are growing because people are sharing the show. Just go to awfpodcast.com, and you'll see all the shows that we have done over quite a long time. I've been doing this show. Next year, I'll be doing this show for 25 years. And the show started, by the way, in 1993, so we'll be celebrating 30 years next year. Hard to believe. Let's go back to Washington right now and rejoin Scott Paul on behalf of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, AmericanManufacturing.org, proud sponsor of America's Workforce. All right, Scott, help me out on this one here. I saw this posted on your website. Would you buy a made-in-China electric car? Well, they're coming. Chinese factories are starting to supply EVs to the rest of the world, and some people don't even know what they're buying. They don't even know they're made in China. What's going on here, Scott? Yeah, it, it, this is going to be a huge issue because there are a lot of communities across America whose fortunes are riding on the success of electric vehicle manufacturing in the United States. And that's in part because once EVs, certainly you know, 10, 15 years from now, dominate the market, the combustion engine factories are, are going to disappear and there's going to be this transition. And so it's very important uh, to have as much of this production of electric vehicles uh, in the United States as possible. The, the unfortunate thing is, I mean, you know, we know this, we're, we're behind, you know, we, we it, was, it took the Biden administration to get us to scale up electric vehicle manufacturing, but we're, we're behind Europe, we're behind uh, Asia. And uh, we're behind China. And this is the biggest issue because 
Chinese automobiles haven't been a factor in the United States. It hasn't really affected our employment. Uh, there's a lot of Chinese auto parts that come in, but, but vehicles, not really. With electric vehicles, that's changing. There's actually a fair amount of uh, value of uh, imported Chinese electric vehicles that are entering the United States, $313 million worth over the last uh, year. And that's doubled uh, over the last 18 months or so. And, yeah, with, with names like Polestar, I mean, all these EV – you know, many of these EV companies are new, right? So you don't know that what the names are, but, but there's names like BYD uh, or Polestar, uh, and, you know, people see the price, and, and some of the prices are kind of shockingly low, in, in part because those vehicles are massively subsidized by mm-hmm. the, the Chinese government. And my my fear is that this is going to uh, bump U.S. makers uh, out uh, and decrease market share, and it's going to cost jobs. And, and again, heavily subsidized vehicles that are coming from China, consumers don't even know what they're buying. So this, right. is, this is a big issue. We're trying to get it on the radar for policymakers to say this is not really fair competition coming in if these vehicles are, again – hugely subsidized by the Chinese government, uh, and then they're kind of disguised. Uh, you know, it's not, uh, you know, the, the brand names aren't very obvious. Uh, and so people think they're driving a cool thing uh, when, in fact, it is a, you know, it's a made-in-China vehicle, uh, and there's probably lots of questions about the supply chain and how ethical it is, and also the fact that it's subsidized massively by the government uh, in a way that makes the price artificially low in the United States and is going to make it more difficult for uh, Ford, GM, Tesla, you know, and, and the other, uh, you know, other Asian makers that have located production in the United States uh, to be competitive. So what I'm seeing here, Scott, the same way China dumped steel in the United States, they're they're almost like going to dump these electric vehicles on the United States. Is that a pretty good analogy? That, that, that is the perfect analogy. Um, that is the perfect analogy. And as important as steel is to, to many communities, um, the auto manufacturing uh, ecosystem is even more important because it involves more people um, and it involves those supply chains. And so it is a uh, this is a potentially disruptive development uh, of of having a lot of imported Chinese vehicles, uh, electric vehicles coming to the United States. And so, um, yeah, I think that the you know, and, and we were caught flat footed on steel. So we, we know how that turned out. Right. And we're right. still cleaning up the damage from that. Uh, and so we have an early warning signal. Uh, and it's time to take action. Yeah. And, and China is in a conundrum right now. I mean, there's protests going on because of the lockdown. Um, their vaccine is not as effective as the vaccine in the United States. Don't you think this would be a very good time to put the brakes on this? And when I say put the brakes on it, what does that entail? I mean, does that entail some kind of a tariff on these kind of Vehicles, what, in your opinion, how should we how should we approach this, Scott? Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know one of the uh, you know w- we we do have a market in the United States that has room for imported vehicles, uh, and, and we see that 
uh, coming from Japan, Europe, Korea. Uh, those makers also manufacture cars in the United States. Uh, it's worth pointing out. But what we don't have room for are vehicles that are heavily subsidized by the government that are going to that's going to displace production uh, in the United States. So, the, the, by the government, I mean the Chinese government. Uh, and so, these companies like Polestar or Neo or uh, BYD uh, or even potentially some Volvo brands, um, you know, th this is problematic. And so, there should be uh, what are called uh, countervailing duties. Um, uh, imposed on on these vehicles, absolutely, uh, or other sorts of import restrictions. Uh, and so this is something that we believe the administration needs to strongly consider. Uh, and, you know, this is not about discrimination. I, I want to make that very, very clear. Uh, this is about ensuring there's a level playing field because it's, it's not reasonable to expect Ford and General Motors uh, and its uh, United Auto Workers to compete against massively subsidized uh, imports uh, that are coming in uh, that are be able to be sold at below cost and that, that have a supply chain uh, that, that may well include forced labor uh, from mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the Xinjiang province uh, in China, where it's been widely reported, where, where there's, a, there's a law actually in the United States against imports so uh, from, from from that region and so we we have to be um, I think we have to be vigilant here because there a, a big part of our future is riding on the success of electric yeah. vehicle manufacturing in the United States we have to make sure there's a level playing field for that flash. yeah yeah now to the US's credit there there are tax credits for purchasing an EV assembled in North America. That's courtesy of the Inflation Reduction Act. And we're talking $7,500 for purchases of EVs. But, you know, that's still not enough. I mean, we, we need to do more here. And uh, we need we need to really confront this now before it gets worse. And I, I'm, I'm hoping, and I could tell this through the conversation with you, that we learn from, from the dumping of steel. We'll see what happens with the, with the Congress, especially the new Congress here. All right, my friend, I want to leave it on that note. Scott Paul, who is the head of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, AmericanManufacturing.org. Before we wrap up another plug, do check out that website and uh, look at that Made in America holiday gift guide. you got uh, 120 companies from all 50 states, the District of Columbia, as well as Puerto Rico. Good opportunity there to support American-made products. You take care. Enjoy the holiday. We'll talk to you uh, later next month, okay? You bet. Flash, great to be with you as always. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Brian Basket is with the Ironworkers out of Springfield, Illinois. He's coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. 
America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. The Heat and Frost Insulators and Allied Workers are proud to be a title sponsor for America's Workforce Radio. The Insulators Union is leading the way in the mechanical insulation industry, fire stopping, and infectious disease control. Regarded as North America's energy conservation specialist, these professionals are known for their professional work and dedication. You can learn more about the Insulators Union at insulators.org. Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce Radio and Podcast. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to the home of Abe Lincoln. That would be uh, Springfield, Illinois. Joining us on line number two right now is Brian Basket. Brian is an iron worker. He's also business manager, financial secretary, treasurer of Iron Workers Local 46, which is based in Springfield. Ironworkers46.org is the website. Brian's been an iron worker for 28 years. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. My first question to you, what made you decide to be an iron worker? What's your, what's your answer to that, buddy? Well, I was uh, 18 years old, getting ready to turn 19. I was in college for six months. And to be honest with you, my girlfriend was pregnant at the time. Uh, I was getting either ready to go in the Army or need to do a little career change. So I applied for the plumbers and pipe fitters, and I applied for the iron workers. And the iron workers called first. So that's basically my story, how I got into the iron workers. And how many children do you have today? Right now I have four. Four currently. I have a 27-year-old son who is the reason why I'm an iron worker. I have a 23-year-old daughter who has a 2-year-old, which is my grandson, and I have a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old. There you go. You got your hands full, buddy. Yes, I do, <laughs> but it, it keeps me sane, I'll tell you that. Yeah, well, it's good that you're an iron worker because you got good benefits. You work hard, and obviously yes, you're running the, running the local there. You got quite a history at that local. I see it was uh, chartered back in 1908, long time. How long have you been a business manager? Uh, only about a year and a half. Uh, our old our old business manager took a. Uh, he bought a business. He is um, a glass installer, so he's keeping it in within the trade. But he uh, he bought his he bought his own business. Okay. How many members in uh, in forty six right now? Right now we have three hundred twenty nine journeymen and uh, seventeen apprentices. Uh, we just graduated a pretty big apprenticeship class, um, so we're we're growing. Um, I know it doesn't seem like a lot of numbers there, but in Illinois, as you guys know, um, we're a big union density state, and we have a lot of locals in the state. So we're kind of, our numbers are small, but we're we're still mighty when it comes to the whole state. There you go. Hey, congratulations on the passing of that workers' rights amendment in your state. That uh, That's pretty significant. Uh, I'm sure you, you played a role in that. 
Yes, yes. We uh, we really went out and beat the streets for that. Um, it was really, I mean, it, it was great. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, we, we hope to see good things with this. Um, as you know, Illinois is a, is a, a huge union state, um, and we've been fighting with past administration with, with workers' rights, um, the right-to-work um, scenario. Yeah. Um, but this is going to give, a, hopefully, a good opportunity. And as you guys know now, you know, with the railroad uh, transportation strike going on now and with, with worldwide with Amazon, and I think just the public in, in general is getting fed up with big corporations taking advantage of them. Yeah, um, yeah. So right now, it's it, it, unions used to have to be the bad name, um, but I think people are starting to uh, come around and see what we can do um, for them, um, and possibly coming out of you know uh, 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 the bad name that we used to get back in maybe the you know early '80s, back when um, work fell off pretty bad. So um, I think it's I think it's making a big turnaround with with the youth and and the younger environment. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. Reagan really turned the screws up back when he uh, fired all the air traffic controllers. It, yeah, with uh, it's funny you say that. My father was a union elect- or is a union electrician, but he got hurt in when he's early forties. But um, I remember being a kid, and when all that all that went on, and he had an option to you know with a work with a company he's worked with for years, either to move to Texas, move us all up and go to Texas away from all our family or to stay home and take a, a full-time job at a local hospital here as an electrician. Mm-hmm. And it was for a little bit less wages, but he went ahead and did it. And then he still says the Reag- Reaganomics, Reaganomics. So, I mean, it's funny you say that. It's just, you know, and then coming in the Ironworkers at 19, hearing the stories of the early 80s where, I mean, work was bad, you know, and it's just, it, it just hurt hurt us, hurt, you know, the economics of the whole of the whole country back in the 80s. I mean, I didn't really see it as a young kid, but I still hear about it today. No, I hear you loud and clear on that because um, I was working through that when I was in rock radio back in the 80s. And I know the corporate community was celebrating what was going on, but uh, that started a downward spiral for unions. And the last two years, there seemed to be a shift here, a lot of organizing going on, especially with uh, younger workers. So again, it's very, very refreshing. You mentioned the the rail situation. It doesn't appear that there's going to be a strike. I know they're working on legislation right now. And uh, I just found this out last night. Nancy Pelosi is trying to add seven days of sick leave in in a separate legislation because that's what the issue is with the unions. There are four unions that rejected the agreement. But uh, we'll see how far that goes. Um, not too many people are very optimistic about that. But let's get back to uh, uh, working in uh, Springfield, Illinois. How's the workload over there for uh, for Local 46? Right now, we're looking really good. Um, we've been really good for the past two years, if not more. Um, as you all, as most of everybody knows, green energy is big right now. Um, we have a uh, just in this area, we have a six thousand acre solar farm. Um, the iron workers may not have a, a bunch to do with that right now, but we're working on it. Um, there's like nine miles, nine and a half miles of fence to be put up, which we are a part of that. Um, wind farms, uh, we, we've put up several, several wind towers in our area, which has been great for us. Um, we just had a passed legislation in the House and all that, and the governor signed off on all, all the permits, clean energy permits for a new natural gas powerhouse to be built um, in 2023, which is huge for this local and for all trades in our area. Um, and yeah, just a regular, just our regular commercial um, work is really getting, our workload's really good. 
um, our schools, Springfield and Decatur, Illinois, which is which covering our area, because um, Local 46 covers 22 counties in Central Illinois. Um, schools are are booming right now, um, and water uh, water uh, clarification plants are insane. Um, so our workload's really big, um, and just so I mean, Local 46 is a mixed local, and being mixed is we do structural uh, reinforcement. Guardrail, ornamental, some um, small glass, um, storefront glass, stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. so we have our hands in a little bit of everything, um, and, and we do a lot of fence. So, I mean, we're looking pretty good, um, hopefully for the future. Um, and like you mentioned, or- organizing, we're organizing members, you know, out of Decatur from the um, ADM plant, um, from their open shop side, mostly younger guys because they're seeing a turnover rate over there. They're getting kind of nervous, so... I mean, we're we're looking pretty good for the next couple of years, looking to grow um, um, at, at leaps and bounds. So we're we're doing pretty decent. Well, I know a lot of trades are struggling to get uh, more candidates involved. Are, are you in that same situation over yeah, there you at, know, at 46? Yeah. Yes, sir, we are. And, and, and the way I see it, I try to help everybody out. I know it could be my higher-ups probably don't want to hear that, but not everybody can be an iron worker, right? So a lot of people don't want to be – you know, up high in the air, but you have, you have good candidates. You have a, good, a lot of good young men and women who want to come and better their lives. And I, I don't see turning anybody away. You know, we share a parking lot with the plumbers and pipe fitters. Um, like I said before, my dad was an electrician. Um, my grandfather was a laborer for our municipality because Springfield, Illinois has their own powerhouse here. He was a laborer for the linemen here in Springfield, Illinois. So, you know, I like to send any candidate that's like, they may not be scared of heights, might be leery. Send them, I send them to other other trades because we're all you know we're all a we're all in this together, but I don't see turning somebody away just because they can't you know if they're not scared of heights or just can't get it here, but they can be they can excel in another field. So that's that's how I am. But yeah, yeah. all our trades we're really you know the plumbers and pipe fitters had a really good apprenticeship week. We all get together. We rent out our convention center here in town. Uh, we have hands-on displays and and it, it turns out really good. So. Yeah, they, we, we all do a pretty good job together. I like what I'm hearing. It seems like uh, all cylinders are humming here. So uh, Springfield is happening, and Ironworkers 46 is in the middle of it all. Ironworkers46.org is the website, and uh, you can also check them out on Facebook. Just go to uh, Local Union 46, Ironworkers Local Union 46. Brian, you take care, and uh, keep up the good yep. work, and uh, we'll check in with you in the new year, okay? Well, I appreciate it. All right, that's it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow we're going to check in with the Office of Professional Employees and the Southwest Pipe Trades. Until then, all of you, have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.